Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of the Panelized Prefab Kit Home Building Show. With me in the studio is Steve Tuma, president and founder of Landmark Home and Land Company, a company which has been helping people build their new homes where they want, exactly as they want, across the nation and worldwide since 1993. Steve, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, another, it's another good day. We're, uh, We've always got interesting projects coming in, mm-hmm. and, you know, people building in different parts of the country, doing different things, sometimes building in same parts of the country, just under different conditions. And uh, it, it's kind of interesting to see of how you could, to see the different challenges and how we're able to help customers work in uh, in different locations, different municipalities with different code enforcement, different geographic concerns. It's it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It's a lot well, of fun. He- as I said, you've been doing this since 1993. That's 25 years now. You should about have this down, but I'm still you sure. I'm sure, I'm sure you still run into some uh, some uh, unique uh, sort of uh, issues that you have to deal with with, with but customers. The, but that's why we're here. We can get through them. Yeah, you know, there's so. all the issues we we've got the knowledge and the experience to to sort things out. If for some reason some building department has something, it's really a curveball. We've been doing it long enough where it's pretty rare that we get stumped, but. Mm-hmm. We're always there to make it happen. Well, speaking of being thrown curveballs, and uh, <laughs> I thought for this episode we might talk a bit about uh, unique building sites and and get into some of the details of what you should know when you start building a new home project on you know what what might be considered not your normal property or your normal build project. Uh, you up for that? Yeah, let's cool. do it. What so, do you have today? I've got uh, a question that. Um, the, sort of has been on my mind for a while because uh, I I know a lot of people when they're thinking about uh, uh, building on certain if you're building in the city or you're in in an in an urban location or in the suburbs uh, in different in different environments they're they're, it's got to be you've got to be run into difficulties in all of these areas but I would say in a more unique uh, sort of environments there must be a lot of problems how do you handle those well, it's, it's not necessarily that there's problems. There's just different code enforcement situations. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're in a city and then there's county areas or suburban areas, generally, if it's an incorporated city, they have a more sophisticated building department. Right. The county areas can be very sophisticated, but generally they're a little more lax than the city right right next to them but it depends on the size you get into los angeles miami chicago new york those are you know very very stringent programs we've worked in those areas we can help a customer do it but let's just say you were in uh in chicago building and then you went you know 60 miles west into dupage county you know some of those the building departments are stringent but they're a little bit less stringent than the big city and then say you went 60 miles even farther west than there you could be in a pure rural area where it's very very simple Mm. so it gets into the selective enforcement of of each of these different areas and and how they choose to to enforce it so i don't want to make it sound terrible but we can get through all the building departments we we've done it we've worked with all the details we we can make it uh we can make it happen. We've worked with some of the strictest ones out there. But so beyond the the actual permit application and documentation that you'll have to come into 
to to get a permit. There's also just the actual working in a city. If you're working in an older city, you might have skinnier roads with cars parked on both sides. Right. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, the actual maneuvering around, maybe you're on a city lot and it's a 50 by 100 lot. So sometimes the actual space to work in in a city lot is restricted mm. just because of the size of the lot. Where if you go out into the country and you have half an acre, an acre, two acres, 20 acres, there's just a lot of space to work around and and make it happen. We're, we're currently working on a project in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, where we've got to sit here and do details where sewer pipes come in, where water supply lines, where different uh, utilities come in, because there's, it's such a restricted space. You have to lay out to make sure that there is space for each of these items to go mm -hmm. through. So that that's one of the situations you get in the cities. Generally, the lots are smaller than if you were in a r more rural area. Mm. But people should live where they want to live, and we're able to help them. Uh, work through the guidelines, the issues with the lot, you know, if, if it's a smaller space or larger space, and then different details of how we can work through to help them plan so that they get the right permit, the inspections are done properly, and then they end up with a nice house. Yeah. Well, speaking about enforcement, um, HOAs, homeowner associations, <laughs> let's talk about that. I mean, they can be great. They can be not so great. But uh, how much do they really need to be involved, or how much do I need to involve them in my building project? Well, that's interesting. Homeowners associations can also be architectural review boards, architectural control boards. It's the same thing. There's typically, some in some areas, some covenants and restrictions that can go through and say, hey, you can do this, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. So if you have an active homeowners association, that has a recorded set of covenants and restrictions, you're bound to them. And you should know about those when you when you purchase the land. It should be clear in your title work what they are. Now, some of those restrictions could be relatively simple. They might say, hey, you have to have an 1,800-square-foot house, minimum, and two-car garage. Mm -hmm. Others may say something as simple as you have to keep your lawn cut. And then others can be extremely restrictive to say you can't have a car in your driveway for more than a minute. Your driveway has to be this size. Your house has to be this color. Your house, you know, you got to use these types of materials. Mm -hmm. Your house has to be reviewed and approved by our architectural committee. And some of them can be very restrictive and very, very controlling. Now, that's the extreme. And all the time we've been doing this, we've only run into one or two that are extremely controlling. Most of them, what they're doing, and I think if people see what they're doing, they're, they're trying to maintain a certain quality in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that you don't go through and build a nice home and your neighbor builds a nice home and there's 10 nice homes around and then someone <laughs> shows up and makes their house hot pink with bright green polka dots. <laughs> and you we've know, seen that, right? Well, it happens. <laughs> Every once in a while you see someone out there that's it'll, it'll make the paper and, and, and you see the point. So, yeah, you don't, you don't want everyone telling you how to live, but on the other side – you don't want someone doing something that's going to devalue your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So what they want to do is make sure that houses are built to a certain standard, make sure the colors are right, make sure it, it works. Most homeowners associations, they're, they want to know that the house is a certain size. They want to know that they're keeping modulars or different types of homes out. They want to know that there's a certain quality built. They want to know that 
colors are uniform in the area. So most of them, they're, they're guidelines that you can fit in. I, I would say 99 of 100 that we get. Mm-hmm. Just what the customers want to do, they automatically fit in the guideline. You know they the cust you know they they want a color that matches the neighborhood. They want to use certain materials. Um, every once in a while, there'll be something where they say, "Hey, we have to have a certain amount of brick or a certain color on a house," and that's got to get approved. But it really hasn't created an issue for people. Most most of them, like I say, are just there to maintain a certain quality in the neighborhood, so that your neighbor doesn't do something to to devalue your home. And they want to know that the community is kept to a certain standard. You know, the lawns are kept up, houses are clean, so that uh, the values there and it's an enjoyable place to live. Mm. Well, I, I know that uh, part of this next question probably doesn't have a lot to do with with uh, what Landmark does, but Landmark, I'm sure, could be very help, helpful with this. Um, let, let's say I want to... I've decided to buy a property in a very remote or rural area. Let's say I want like 10 or 20 acres, and, and there are no utilities on that property at all, no power, no water. Um, how does Landmark help tackle a, a situation like that? Well, that's pretty interesting because there there's a couple facets to that answer. So if you have 10 or 20 acres and you're somewhere where power is going right down the road or is readily available most of the time, mm-hmm. they will request that you plug into to those utilities sometimes you could build off grid you know where you develop you know you get your own power from wind or solar um and other times there there's kind of a hybrid using a a little bit of both but whatever the situation is we can help a customer by providing the details you know formally drawn plans formally drawn site plans so that if they have to work with a power company they can say, hey, here's my lot. It's this size. It's 20 acres. I'm at this intersection. Here's my driveway. Here's my house. Mm-hmm. How are we going to pull power in? Or if they're working with their well person, how are they going to, you know, where where can they put the well? If they're going to work with a solar person, we can have the plans designed to work so that they can get the best solar design. So a lot of the utility situation, it isn't necessarily that we interact with the actual utility company. But it's more that we're giving them the information so that they can interact with the different people to get power to their home or work with alternative power sources to make sure everything's designed properly. So we play a support role in there Mm -hmm. um, because it's nice to have plans that are drawn to scale. It's nice to have the house accurately located on the lot. It's nice to know where the driveway is, you know, different things like that. Um, All those details are very important to make sure that everything's planned right. It just sounds like Landmark is uh, is very good at, at providing sort of an advisory role. I mean, it's, you guys are not just about here, here's your plans, here's your wood, good luck. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot that goes on around uh, any project that you guys take on. Well, that, that's exactly it. A lot of people think, oh, you sell panelized homes. Well, that, that might be the product, but the actual service and the development of Making sure that panelized home is designed right, it's mm-hmm. built right, it's planned for the community right, planned for your home right is or for your lot is is I think more just as important to more important mm-hmm. because you know if if you just take a house and stick it someplace and it doesn't work right, it's not energy efficient, it doesn't look good, and you don't like it, nothing's been accomplished. Mm-hmm. So the the time to plan it will actually make the process of building your home more controlled. You'll stay on schedule, and you'll be able to keep your budget much, much better. So 
it's it's that work up front knowing that things things are put together right that that are that are important let let me take a a simple thing this is you brought up a 10 or 20 acre uh property Mm -hmm. that's a lot of land (laughs) right okay so on something like that you might have a septic system you most likely chances are in a rural area you would definitely have a septic system but so you you have to go get a soil report to have your septic system designed properly you don't want someone just going out there saying, hey, way back in the back 20, you know, the farthest part, two miles off the road, I found the best place for your septic. You know, and then suddenly your house is in a location you don't want it. We always suggest to people, know where your house is going to be, stake it out, and be there with the person doing the soil test so that they know to take the soil test in an area where you want to be. Mm-hmm. So you're not doing a test, you know, a thousand feet from where you intend on building that can really affect your ability to get a permit and also the usability of the septic system. So it's details like that, that some people may not think of where we're able to point it out to them so that they can then move forward and know that they're not paying for a septic design. That's not even in the right portion of the land. Yeah. So there's uh, there's something I wanted to run by you uh, because it's near and dear to my heart. I'm very much into history. Let's talk about building in historic areas. Um, I love walking through older parts of cities and villages that that really care about their heritage and preserving their architecture, architecture, etc. Um, but as a builder, well, what sort of restrictions might I run into when building in historic districts? Well, that's really interesting. And generally, the the historic districts are more on the east coast, but we're running into more and more of them on the west coast, as as well as as people see the value of having a mixture of old homes and new homes, the different types of people that live there, the different activities, the different communities that, that can be built. Mm -hmm. So the thing with historic districts is some of them can be very restrictive and some of them can be, Hey, we just want it to match. You got to run it by a historic board. So they don't, you know, say, say you've got a, a bunch of historic kind of, uh, like say in the west, you know, in the western states, an old mining community. Mm-hmm. They they don't want you building a house that looks like a pyramid, you know, <laughs> right, type of right. a thing. They'd want you to do something that might be a a simplified Victorian or kind of a salt box type of design to do it. Sometimes they get into just general design. You can use you know modern materials like cement board siding and different things but they they want you to have it designed so it blends in mm-hmm. so so it's not a, a big contrast other times we've gone through where they kind of want to dictate you know if you have brick you want to use this type of color where where they are, they want you to kind of blend in almost like where it would be pretty hard to tell the difference now fortunately all of these historic districts they understand there's modern day codes you know, what, what was built in 1890 or 1920, there's just different materials. There's different safety codes. There's different fire codes. There's different ways of living why, why the house would be different. So they're not necessarily going to say, hey, you have to build a small house and not have closets in your house. Mm-hmm. It's more a situation where they're going to want the exterior look to blend in. But either way, whether you've got a building department that just wants to go through and and have a you know, a good representation so it blends in, or one that's more stringent, uh, we we can help you. Yeah, let me circle back to the homeowners association thing that we spoke about just a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. We can develop the plans 
according to the guidelines of the homeowners association or the historic districts mm -hmm. with your design, the details that they need so that you can submit to them formally to get your approval. So that's the neat thing about it. All of this work can be done on paper for their approval. It's not like you're building a house and then they say, Hey, that's the wrong color brick. You know, you got to do something different. So we, we can put all those details together and get the plan set up so that you can go through and, and submit to your homeowners association or, or historic uh, review board. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people we've run in a couple of them in the, in the Denver area where people are moving back into cities and there's infill lots or houses that are being torn down and, they they want they want to keep the community what it is uh, hmm. because that that's a lot of the reason people are moving there it's it's a whole different feel in a historic community yeah i mean it's part of why people are even looking in that area it makes sense uh let's touch a bit on flood areas and what i might be facing let's say if i if i pick up a piece of property and i find out it's in a flood zone and i'm sure you guys at landmark have run into that before how do you deal with that it it happens a lot and i mean we've done a lot of projects in florida and hurricane zones which it's more of a storm surge type of situation but then there's also just flood zones mm -hmm. you know 10-year floods 50-year floods different situations like that so in general what what needs to happen is uh, the building department will typically request a certification from a licensed surveyor civil engineer that goes through and tells you at what elevation the floor of your home should be hmm. Now, something which is interesting, which a lot of people don't realize, is this will affect your homeowner's insurance. I can imagine, yeah. And in some areas, they'll say, they'll say, hey, your 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 finished floor elevation has to be this, you know, call it one hundred feet. But if you go to one hundred and two feet, you might see a big diff savings in your uh, property insurance. Mm -hmm. Because you're outside the range of where you're likely to flood and create big damage. So the flood situations, there's a variety of situations where it could be rainwater. It could be rising rivers, which I guess is kind, kind of the same situation. And it could be storm surges from, uh, you know, hurricanes or, or high, high wind situations. So those are all situations that, you know, we ask the people to check if their land is in that area. And then we could design the home to, to work around it by raising the foundation or coming up with a like a pier and beam foundation system to to hold the house above and just you know more on the east coast where the hurricanes are more prevalent a lot of people use the, the raised up area you can still have storage areas with breakaway walls and park your cars underneath there so we can work with the designs to to still get utility out of those areas mm -hmm. pretty amazing well, we've reached the end of another episode of the Panelized Prefab Kit Home Building Show. But uh, before we go, Steve, tell us how we can get a hold of you guys over at Landmark Home and Land Company. Yeah, the best way is to take a look at our website. You can review details and send us a message if you like. It is lhlc.com. It's just the initials of Landmark Home Land Company. Mm -hmm. um, lhlc.com. You can see us on social marketing on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, YouTube. Um, you can also call us at 800-830-9788. Or you can send me an email at uh, landmark at lhlc.com. We are very proactive. We're responsive. We answer our phones, and we will do everything to take care of you. Excellent. We enjoy this. That's awesome. 
Well, that about wraps it up. So for Steve Tuma and myself, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you next time on the Panelized Prefab Kit Home Building Show. Have a great day. 